Hello, and welcome to News from the Torah. After a really long break, this is Leah Aroni once again with you. And today is the 24th of October, 2023, the ninth day of the Hebrew month of Cheshvan. And this week we're reading the Torah portion of Lech Lecha, in which Avram Avinu, our forefather Avram, the first Jew in history, is commanded by God to pick up and leave his birthplace, his country, his home, and go to an unknown land that God will show him. And so, in this week's Torah portion, the Jewish people are starting on their track towards eternity. On this week, uh, the Jewish people pick up and go in the unique role to redeem the world, to create a special bond with God that they can then showcase to the rest of the world. After God had to destroy the world twice because of the sins of the world, because the world became incompatible with godliness, God chose the Jewish people for unique job of bringing godliness into the world. And so the Jewish people became the consciousness of the world. They are the North Star that shows the world what it means to be connected to God. And chosenness doesn't mean the Jewish people are better. It means they have a job. And their job is to remind the world to be moral, to be ethical, to be good, to be connected to God, to love God, to bring the consciousness of God into every single moment of our existence in this material world. And being this consciousness has been the greatest blessing, but also the greatest difficulty and tragedy of the Jewish people. And of course, there's no better time to talk about this than today when we are on the 18th day of a war with Hamas, with ISIS that we have grown here under our back in Gaza and with Hezbollah that is threatening our borders from Lebanon. And so this, being the consciousness of the world, being the North Star that shows the world which way to turn to connect to God, this job of the Jewish people is so incompatible with the evil of the world, with the Nazis and the ISIS and the Hamases and the terrorists. They just cannot stomach the Jewish consciousness. They cannot stomach godliness. So when they come out to fight against us, when they come out to fight against the Jewish people, what they're really doing is fighting against God. And so in this week's Torah portion, Avram is taught by God to pick up and go onto a journey that has no end, to a journey that God will show us where he's taking us. He will show us the promised land. He will tell us where to go and when to stop. And today here in Israel, all of us feel like on this journey. On the 7th of October, on Shabbat, Simchat Torah, many of us came to the synagogue. Certainly I did. I came to the synagogue with my children to dance, 
to rejoice, to celebrate the last day of the holiday season, when which is the day that is really supposed to bring in happiness for the entire year. Simchat Torah, which we translate as the happiness of the Torah, is the last day of almost a month-long high holidays, a time of celebration, and it is said to have the potential for happiness for a Jewish person for the entire year. This um, storehouse, this treasury of happiness for the entire year is accessed on Simchat Torah by dancing and singing and being happy with the Torah. And it is specifically on this day that the Hamas, that ISIS, has chosen to target the Jewish people to kill our happiness, to destroy our connection with God, to lower our spirits. And I remember going into the synagogue, and as soon as I got there, it was around 8.30 in the morning, uh, the rabbi said that there is something going on in southern Israel. There is a warlike situation, that there could be shellings, even in our area. We live near Jerusalem, and so he gave us the security instructions. And then... Um, one by one, our friends and neighbors left the synagogue to go to war. And um, I asked my husband if he heard what's going on. And he told me, yes, that there's something terrible. It sounds like there are a few dozen people who have been killed uh, in southern Israel. And, of course, that sounded unbelievable. That sounded just absurd. Dozens of Jews killed by Hamas in southern Israel. That sounded absurd. And then we turned on the news after Simchat Torah in the evening, and it was 200 people. It was something that we couldn't comprehend. And of course, today, 18 days later, we know that that number kept climbing and climbing and climbing. And today, we know that almost 1,400 Jews were murdered in one day. Probably the bloodiest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. 1,400 people killed in one day tortured, raped, um, was really unspeakably graphic um, descriptions of what Hamas terrorists did to the people, the women and children, things that really cannot be fathomed, how human beings could behave in such a manner. And um, we have over 200 hostages in Gaza and many, many people who are still missing. So when Hamas... On the 7th of October, cut through the Israel-Gaza border, through the fence, and poured into southern Israel to kill, rape, maim, and take hostage. What Hamas really did was to come out against God. And if you want to know what is the meaning of any word in the Hebrew language, what's the meaning of anything in history, everything that happens in history is coded in the Torah. It is said by our sages that God wrote the Torah as the blueprint for the world, and then, based on that blueprint, he created the world. Well, you know what? That's really interesting because you don't have to look for Hamas as a code in the Torah. The word Hamas actually appears in the Torah several times, and we saw it obviously before, but it is so pregnant with meaning today. In the previous Torah portion of Noah, when God is about to bring on the flood, 
and destroy the world for the first time. He says that the earth has destroyed its ways and is filled with Hamas. And Hamas means stealing, grabbing, kidnapping, taking away. And what's really brilliant is that there is a translation of the Torah into the Aramaic language written in the first century, almost 2,000 years ago, by a Roman nobleman, Onkelos, who converted and became a Jew, and he translated the Torah into Aramaic, which was the um, spoken language of the Jews at the time. And when he explains what's Hamas, he writes in Aramaic two words which we in modern Hebrew use to talk about Hamas. He calls them Mechablim. Mechablim is the Hebrew word for terrorists. Shechotfim. Chotfim in Hebrew, modern Hebrew means to kidnap. Now, these words mean something different in Aramaic, you know, something close but different. But today, 2,000 years later, we will look into the Torah and we see Hamas and we want to see what does that mean? How is that translated into everyday reality? These are terrorists that kidnap people. That's exactly what Hamas is. And you know what God says? I cannot have a world where people, where terrorists kidnap people. This is not the world I created. This is not the world I wanted to see. I'm going to destroy a world like this. I'm going to wash these people off the face of the earth. And so God brings on the flood to wash such actions off the face of the earth. How can it be that a human being created in the image of God can murder and maim and cut up and behead and, and destroy women, children, babies? How can that be? How can somebody made in the image of God be so cruel to other people made in the image of God? It's only when they don't understand, when they cannot fathom godliness. And it doesn't matter how many times Hamas, ISIS, and the likes of them will invoke the name of God and Islam and quote verses from Quran. A people that can behave in such a way gave up on their own image of God. And when they do not have their own image of God, that they cannot see the image of God in others. And then they can behave this way. But you know what? Hamas is not actually just coming out against the Jewish people because it cannot stomach the Jews being the consciousness of the world. Hamas is coming out against its own people. Just last week, Hamas, um, one of the Palestinian factions, rocket, fell on a hospital in Gaza. And guess what Hamas did? Blame Israelis for it and create some speculative number of 500 injured, uh, killed people, 500 victims, when in reality it was their own rocket who killed its own people. And over the past two weeks, over 500 of Hamas's rockets fell inside Gaza because Hamas doesn't care about Palestinians. Hamas doesn't care about its own people. Hamas has storehouses filled with um, 
fuel and medication and food and water and everything that they need. And the leaders of Hamas are vacationing somewhere in Turkey in some undisclosed location. They, together with their families and their loved ones, left Gaza long before because they don't care about the suffering of their own people. And not only that, what Hamas does is that it robs its own people of quote-unquote humanitarian assistance. This humanitarian aid that the world is so obsessed about, in, about bringing into Gaza is really just restocking Hamas. Because Hamas is the only force that operates in Gaza. They are the strong men and they take whatever they want. And they will take everything and anything from their fellow people in Gaza any time of the day. Now, the Israel left Gaza in 2005. That's almost 20 years ago. Now, during the time that there were Jewish villages in Gaza, those places were haven. They had strong agriculture. They built beautiful towns. They built beautiful villages. They created amazing educational institutions. And the 8,000 Jews that lived in Gaza despite the fact that they had to deal with terrorism every single day, they built a beautiful place there. But after Israel pulled out and dismantled these Jewish villages and gave Hamas the keys to Gaza, actually to the PLO, but then Hamas killed the PLO and cut their heads off and threw them off buildings, um, yeah, their own fellow Palestinians. So after Hamas took over Gaza, it created hell on earth. And 70% of Gazans wanted to leave Gaza because it was impossible to live under Hamas because the unemployment was so high because there's nothing there because Hamas doesn't care about its own people. They are the true thief. They kidnap Jews, but they steal from their own people as well. But there's one thing that we as Jews have to take responsibility for. And that is that we have enabled Hamas to take over Gaza. We have enabled this greenhouse of terrorism to grow near us. By pulling out of Gaza and by believing that others in the Middle East are just like us. By believing that um, the Palestinians are interested in peace, just like us, by not listening to them and projecting our values onto them. By pulling out of Gaza, when Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005, there were numerous people who were saying this will bring atrocities onto Israel. And the Jewish people, the Israelis just didn't want to hear that. Israelis want peace. They want quiet. They want prosperity. They want to build the economy. They want to have peace. And so, unfortunately, over the past 30 years, under our leadership, the Israelis got, um, fell head over heels with this dream of being able to build peace, of being able to live side by side with Palestinians in peace, and everything will be fine, and they're just like us. And if we create economic opportunities for them, they will love us and they will live next to us and we will have peace and prosperity and someday maybe we'll have a two-state solution 
and Palestinians will live in peace, and we will live in peace, and everything will be fine and dandy. And you can do that with a people that doesn't share your values, that all that they want is to drive you into the sea. And the Palestinians have been saying this over and over and over and over again. Not only have they been saying this, they've been doing this with terrorism, with drive-by shootings and throwing Molotov cocktails and throwing stones and blowing up Israeli buses and, 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 and. We've had numerous operations in Gaza over the past 15 years because Gaza has been shelling Israeli cities. But we just keep getting used to that and turning a blind eye until it gets really, really uncomfortable. And then we have an operation, we retaliate, and then say, no, it's going to be fine, forget it. It just doesn't work this way. You have to take people at face value, and these people do not want peace. If they would have wanted peace, they could have had that peace. Actually, not 20 years ago, 100 years ago. If Palestinians, if Arabs, because there were no Palestinians a hundred years ago, it wasn't a people, the Arabs could have had their state under the Peel Commission in 1930s and then again in 1947 when the UN divided this land into two states and again in 1949 and again in 1967 and again in 1993 after Oslo. If they wanted a state to live peacefully near Israel, they could have had that state many, many times over. But they don't. And unfortunately, it took 1,400 dead Israelis. It took raped women, beheaded babies, and unspeakable atrocities that have probably never happened in history in this area in the past thousands of years to finally slap Israelis across their face and say, stop leaving in this dream. Just get out of it. Snap out of it. Stop living in La La Land. And so by living in La La Land, we share responsibility. Because also, living in this La La Land, we forgot what's important. And yes, it's important to have a strong country. And it's important to have a big army. And it's important to build up our economy. But we didn't come to the land of Israel after 2,000 years of exile to build a strong economy. Yes, that's true. But that's secondary. We came to Israel to build a shining example of a godly society. God wants us to build a godly society in Israel where every person in the world can come and say, Wow. I want to live in a society like this. I want to live in a place like this. This is what godliness looks like when it's expressed in the material world. This is what we, the Jewish people, are supposed to build in Israel. This is what God told Avram to do when he set out on this journey. Go to an unknown place that I will show you where you will have to build the perfect society. There will be a shining example to the rest of the world of what godliness looks like. And over the past 18 days, 
we've actually had a glimpse of that when the Israeli people came together in a way that is unbelievable, where thousands of people are doing everything they can to help each other. Not even thousands, probably hundreds of thousands. Everybody I know is raising money to help the 100,000 displaced people inside Israel. Listen to this number. The 100,000 Jewish Israeli refugees inside the country who had to leave their homes because they're being shelled either by Hamas or by Hezbollah. There are uh, several dozen towns in Israel that have been evacuated by the government. And just yesterday, the Israeli government said that they have used up every available hotel room in Israel to house refugees. And therefore, they're paying refugees who can find accommodations on their own. Stopping the 100,000 Israelis without a home right now. Every single uh, hotel in Israel is packed. And after I finish the show today, I'm actually going with food cards, with shopping cards, to distribute them to people in, uh, in staying in a certain high school, in a high school dorm. 250 people from southern Israel who laugh just with the shirts on their back. And we're going to give them cards so they can go shopping and buy the basics that they need. And this is just one tiny thing that we're doing, but everybody's doing some things. People are hosting other families, strangers that they don't know. People are packing um, food packages. People are distributing things for the soldiers. Over 350,000 reservists were called up to serve in the Israeli army. It's the biggest mobilization in Israel's history. It happened within 48 hours. Within 48 hours, 350,000 soldiers showed up to fight in a country of under 10 million. It was so swift that the army didn't even need to use its SMS service. The army has an SMS service or a robocall service where they call the reservists or send them SMS messages to um, to show up, they didn't have to use that. People got up, got into the cars, and drove to their units even before they were called up. And some of the units have over 120% show up. They wanted 100 people and 120 people showed up. People as old as 60, 70, and 80 are showing up for reserve duty. So it's unbelievable. Everywhere you go, in every office, in every building, somebody's cooking and somebody's gathering necessities and somebody else is driving things. And for soldiers, for people who are displaced, for, for, for victims of the terror attacks. And over the past few days, you understand that when there are 1,400 victims, then the families of these victims sit shiva. In the Jewish tradition, when somebody dies, there's a seven-day mourning period. Their family stays at home, and people come to visit them. So for the past few days, together with some of my children, we have visited some of these houses of mourning of people we don't know. And in every house of mourning, we met other people who also came to support the mourners that they don't know. And in every single place like this, it was a totally different feeling, a totally different vibe. It was a different family, a different culture. But what was common to everybody is that all the Israelis said, we are not leaving these families alone. We don't know them personally, 
but they're our family, and we're going to go and support them in their hard hour. And so for the 18 days since the 7th of October, Israel has become this perfect society of unity and loving kindness and mutual support and sensitivity and caring and national pride. And the tragedy is that it took a tragedy to get us to this place because just three weeks ago we were fighting. We were fighting about the legal reform and we were fighting about the right and the left and the politics of it all. And it took this tragedy to bring our society back together, to put all of our differences aside. And the challenge for us Israelis is to stay this way, is to now build this society not out of tragedy and shock, but to build it mindfully and consciously, to build a society of mutual respect and love where we can disagree and still work together without a tragedy, without a war going on, to see what we can be like and now be like that. So really, when Hamas came out on the 7th of October to fight against godliness, to fight against the Jewish people who are the symbol of godliness in this world, what they did was actually achieve the opposite of it. Hamas wanted to slaughter, to maim, to undermine, to undermine the Jewish spirit, to undermine the society, to throw it into a state of shock. But instead of that, what Hamas did was to remind us of who we are supposed to be and to now multiply this godly society, multiply our efforts, bring us back together. And they actually achieved the opposite of what they thought they will. And now we're all in a bit of a state of limbo. We know that this war is going to be long, it's going to take a while, and that the soldiers will go into Gaza probably in the next few days. And there will be a prolonged war and nobody knows what it is going to end like. And nobody knows what is going to happen to Gaza on the day after. And nobody knows what's going to happen with Lebanon. Is there going to be another front in Lebanon? And nobody knows what the Iranians will do. So yes, so we're in the state of limbo. And in the state of limbo, all we can do is be a people together, pray together help each other, support each other, and build this perfect society that God wants us to be, to bring a sense of godliness into every single moment. So what I ask of you, wherever you are, is to join us. If you want to support Israel, if you want to support the Jewish people, of course you can do that tangibly by reaching out to any one of the thousands of organizations here in Israel and um, supporting us tangibly. But if you cannot, here's something you can do. What can you do today that would be mindful of God? What daily action can you take, can you do with mindfulness of God? Maybe walk down the street and smile at somebody to remind them this, this world is good. Maybe buy something for somebody that you know is struggling Maybe spend a little bit more time with your children because you want them to 
appreciate the goodness of this world, what can you do today to bring a little bit more godliness into this world? And when you do that act, to have in mind that you're doing this to support the Jewish people in their struggle. So this uh, show has been a little bit emotional for me. It's the first time I am with you after several months, but I just couldn't stay away. I needed to share my thoughts with you. and We need your support. We need your love here in Israel. And these several months are promising to be difficult, but then again, we also know that they will be miraculous. Every single war that Israel has fought has been miraculous. The Six-Day War, where Israel defeated the armies threatening it in six days was an open miracle. I was actually uh, privy to some um, stories from people who remember the Six-Day War in 1967. And during the weeks before 1967 Six-Day War, um, graves for Israelis were being prepared throughout the country. Because what everybody expected was a massacre. The days before Six-Day War, the people of Israel expected to go into war and they weren't sure how they're going to come out on the other side. And there were graves being pre-dug throughout Israel for what was expected to be a massacre. And then six days later, Israel came out victorious actually conquering new parts of the homeland, not conquering, returning new part, the parts of our homeland that are ours and always have been since the biblical times, but they will now return to Israel. And during the Yom Kippur War in 1973, which is considered to be a trauma in Israel's consciousness, in, in Israel's collective mind, where just like now, the country was surprised by an attack, that war lasted 18 days. 18 days later, Israel was victorious. Yes, it was traumatic, it was hard, and there were a lot of losses. But that war was over in 18 days. And so today, Israelis are preparing for a long war in Gaza, and this is what we're being told, that this is going to take a while. But it's only going to take a while if we think that we're running the war. And I think on September, on October 7th, God showed, showed us that we're not running anything. That after investing a billion dollars into security arrangements around Gaza, the terrorists penetrated those security arrangements with pliers and tractors and poured into Israel with no difficulty at all. So if we think we're running the show, God will show us that he has another thing coming. But if we remember that we're here to build a godly society and to bring God into the world and to live with God consciousness, this work and was the biggest miracles, which is what we really hope for. And this is really why God didn't tell Avram where he is going for how long. Because we're going on a journey of the course of history. And we know only one thing. It will end with redemption. It will end with Israel building this perfect society and roping the rest of the world into living a godly life. 
this consciousness of God that we're supposed to build in Israel will project and will be assimilated into the entire world so that every person in the world will live in this perfect godly society because every person in the world deserves to live in this perfect godly society. We don't know when that will be. We don't know how it will be. It's a journey which we do not know what the end of it will look like, but it will happen. And this tragedy that happened to us 18 days ago is a big bump in the road. But we know one thing in Jewish history. Every time you go down, it's only to come up higher. Every valley that you descend to leads you up to a mountain that's higher than you will have ever seen before. And so with these words of encouragement, I want to sign off and I want to ask you to support us here in Israel with your prayers, with your support, with your good deeds, and with connecting to godliness, because this is what Hamas ISIS doesn't want. They want to wipe the memory of God and God's image from the world. And we, us and you together, we won't let them. I will see you next week here on News from the Torah. This was Leah Aroni. Stay safe and have a great week.